The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our DC. What's up, everybody? This is Dave. Thank you, John Meter Perel, voiceover expert. For those of you who may remember John Meter Perel. From WEEI and other stuff. He's on ESPN now, by the way. So check him out doing uh, some college basketball play-by-play. But I digress. I digress. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. This is Dave. And I have an awesome guest, per usual. I promise a rotating cast of characters. I have one such character here today. Um, My friend, attorney, media legend, man about town, Alan Margulies. Alan, um, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dave. The capacity crowd is on their feet, Alan. So standing ovation. Standing ovation. Um, so thanks for being here at our uh, palatial Westwood Studios. And um, so Alan's a, an attorney with um, Total Counsel Law Group, and as such, he counsels people on their future, their retirement, taxes, and all kind of other stuff. Businesses as well, right, Alan? Businesses as well. Yep. Yeah. And so why do you? Well, start. We'll start off. We're gonna. Talk about um, your practice. We'll also talk about how you've had a radio show for many years, which you recently retired, at least temporarily. And I always think that's cool when people um, find a way to promote their services in different ways. And and it was just a cool show, and I imagine a lot of fun for you. So we'll talk about that as well. But um, so why do you like most people would think? What well, why is it not you know law offices of Alan Margulies? It's it's Total Counsel Law Group, which is a, a snappy title. I like it, mind you. Um, but but tell me about that. What why do you call it that? So it goes to marketing in general, mm-hmm. uh, radio, podcast, all that stuff. Is how do you get your message out and appear larger than you actually are? So the <laughs> so the firm is not just Alan. Me. You can't see him. Alan is stands seven feet tall. Well. <laughs> A little short of that. But anyway, so yes, yeah, I'm joking. But so you appear – go ahead. Tell me about that. Yeah, so it's it's bigger so that when people are looking and, and trying to relate, it's not just me, that there's other people in the firm. But the concept is really about reaching out to the firm with whatever you might need. So for years, I, I've always joked that attorneys chose Esquire. Now, why would you choose Esquire? Anybody could be an Esquire. It's a good point. should be doctor. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are doctors, right? Exactly. JD, Juris Doctor. Exactly. So yeah. I, I look at it that a lot of times, and I've had a lot of attorneys over the years come to me, especially in the estate planning area, and say, do you ever feel that you're providing psychological counseling for clients? <laughs> right. And, and so we came up with the idea of Total Counsel Law Group because we're really counseling them in all the matters that are important to them in their lives. Well, they say every lawyer has a crazy client and some lawyers say that all their clients are crazy <laughs> and so and they say it in an endearing fashion so were there moments where you realized um or, or can you even think of one or two maybe where it's like i've got to sort out this person's legal uh affairs but i really got to sort out their life like they're a mess always all the time <laughs> all, all, all the okay. time and 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 that's where it is is that you you know we go through these exercises of how do you actively listen to what somebody is saying 
and and I find so much of the time. I'm sorry, is, what were you saying? I wasn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's where I actually have in the office a prescription pad. Yeah. And I've contemplated walking around the office sometimes <laughs> with a lab coat. Yeah. Because clients will just call, and, and in order to get at the, the deep-rooted areas, you, you really have to dig deep with them and listen to them. Yeah. And, and it goes back, I, I, when I first left law school, the attorney that I started working for was a personal injury attorney. Mm-hmm. And I had the best first meeting with an estate planning client. It was about an hour and a half. I felt great about so it. So you're working with the personal injury lawyer, but your role is the as the as the estate planning lawyer. Yeah, we were setting okay. up an estate and tax practice within the firm. Got it. And so I I sit, have a great meeting. I go into his office, and I'm all excited about all the information that I got, and we're going to do this estate plan. And I got chewed out. Really? He says to me, "You cannot spend that amount of time with clients to do estate planning. <laughs> Ten minutes." In and out. Sounds That's like, it. Sounds like a bang up lawyer. <laughs> Yikes. So, yeah, it's, and yet you had probably unearthed things that this person, a litany of things I imagine that this person needed help with. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I remember I, um, back when I was a financial advisor, I, I trained with the um, financial firm Alliance Bernstein. They had an excellent training program. And I remember at the very end of the program, everybody was asked what they learned. And one guy said, my thing is I learned you got to listen. And he said, I used to suck at it. And it's amazing how simple a concept it is that many people miss. And clients will come to you. And sometimes I, like when clients came to me when I was a financial advisor, it, it almost felt like someone was playing a practical joke on me because they say, you know, listen, 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 because there's going to be something they say like under their breath and they're not going to get much attention, but it's going to be important. And sure enough, like within the first year, clients would be like, yeah, you know, I want to get into a little more stocks than bonds. I think I can afford to take a little bit of risk and this and that. And, um, you know, I do have people rely on me, you know, oh, my brother. Don't even want to don't get started about my brother. But anyways, back to the stocks and bonds. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And it's like, wait, did he, is he teasing me? Like, was, am I supposed to ask about the brother now? And the answer is you should, right? Absolutely. Because, Absolutely. Because there may be a whole story there. So... People will. You're a total counselor. So what? So people will tell you stuff like going on in their personal lives and going on in their personal lives. I mean, sometimes we know because we also prepare taxes for a lot of our clients. We know what medications they're on and and all different things. And a lot of times it's just a matter of the dynamics between the the parents, uh, one another, with the children, with business partners, and really it's a matter of providing the counseling and and the ear and the practical advice to them. So what but what if they, you know, they have a problem that's really outside the bounds of law, estate planning and whatnot? Then what? So that's where the the concept that we've taken hold of is this minds around the table. And it's interesting because a lot of people have started to utilize this concept a little bit more. Stole your idea? Stole my idea. <laughs> um, but we do have it it is out there and we do have it uh, trademarked. Mm-hmm. So we do have a little bit of protection. But the idea behind it is that whoever you are, whatever it is that you're looking to do, you need to have your minds around the table. Mm. And so depending on what problem you're looking to have solved is going to depend on who's going to sit at that oval table with swivel chairs, just like here in the studio. It has to be swivel (laughs) chairs because nobody gets to sit permanently. Good. So the idea behind it is... Thank you, Ikea. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Very comfortable. Not bad. All right. 
And so the idea behind it is, is that whatever somebody's looking to solve, we may sit at the table providing the legal or accounting advice, or it might just be as an additional advisor to provide some guidance. But it, back in 2008, I was going to uh, merge with another attorney. And the conversation that started two weeks into it before we were, while we were still dancing around and deciding whether we were going to merge, I said to him, if the clients need a plumber, I want them to call us. I love that. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I might have even said the same thing. Plumber, um, landscaper, or uh, a great place to have dinner in Providence on a Friday night. Right? A- absolutely. And yeah. he turns to me and he's like, we don't do plumbing. What, right. What, right. Why would you want them to call? Because they're picking up the phone to call. And, and the only way that you're going to be able to give the advice before something bad happens is when they're accustomed to picking up the phone and making that call to you right. and, and know that you're the resource. Yeah, because then you become the QB, and then um, then you got a client for life. You know, if you, I mean, if you if that if uh, the client literally like asked you for a plumber because they had uh, two and a half inches of water in their kitchen one morning, and their parents were on their way into town, and you somehow hooked them up with the best plumber in the world, they wouldn't remember the plumber; they remember you. It's like I, I, you know, I made that call, so now they're going to call you for everything, which which is great. And and the thing there is, it's not as if uh, a lot of time, it's, it doesn't take a ton of extra work for you. And I guess that's the importance of also having a network and just knowing a ton of people, right? That's it. I mean, yeah. you can make the connections very easily. You spend a couple of seconds, minutes on the phone. But it's a matter of when you're having that conversation, you're just reinforcing the relationship. And that's really what it, the, the counseling is, the relationship. My favorite story for when I was a, a financial advisor um, when this act, this this dynamic actually worked, was I had a, a client who had a, a cute little girl who had um, a severe physical challenges, and the woman was looking to get her daughter into this special school, and she was like 18th on the waiting list or something like that. It seemed pretty hopeless, and so she's just talking about this, and as we talk about her financial picture, and I say, well, you, you want me to see if I can make a call to the school or see if I know someone who's going. She goes, mm, yeah, I guess so, right? And so I start going through LinkedIn. I find I'm one connection away from someone who's like on the one of the like six of the board of directors of the school. And I'm like, uh, holy crap, like I'll take a shot. So got introduced to this guy and I said, listen, I don't know if you can do anything. I know you have a protocol, you have rules and everything, but the, here's my client situation. She's she's kind of in dire straits. She's pretty hysterical about this, blah, blah, blah. So um, a few days went by and I called um, her to, just to check on things. And I was going to tell her, you know, I made a call. I don't know if it's going to do anything. She goes, David, you're not going to believe it. I just found out she got in. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I was like, holy shit, it works. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I didn't even do that much, right? I made a couple phone calls. But, um, you know, uh, help somebody's kid, you know, help somebody's family. It's um, anyway. So I'm sure you have a bunch of stories like that yourself. Yeah, and, it, and it's really all about where is your focus? Is the focus on you and taking care of yourself, or is the focus taking care of these other individuals? And, and I mean, it's very simple concepts. The more you take care of other people, the more that's going to flow back to yourself. Yeah. I can't get over that lawyer telling you you, have, you can only spend 10 minutes with a, with a client. <laughs> that's what a jerk. Well, it's contingency. <laughs> well, right. So he had a formula, you know, um, but... Um, it, to me, that that's like you can go that way. Like I have friends that are, I know a ton of personal injury lawyers, and they sort of run the gamut from like true counselor who actually gives a shit, and then people who kind of run a business. Um, 
you know, and James Sokolov popularized this in the 80s, I guess, when he just started putting billboards up. And it's no secret he doesn't try cases. He's a factory. But to me, that's not – most lawyers don't go to law school for that. I mean, I suppose some do. But, <laughs> but it, it's also a matter of the confidence. I mean, I find that in particular estate planning – most attorneys consider it that uh, you, you're just filling in blanks on a document. Right. You really shouldn't be charging that much for it. And right. and really it comes to is is that what problem are you solving for people? Right. How do you feel about DIY law form, law forms and all that kind of stuff? The, legal, legal Zoom. They're yeah, they're great. Not a, not a sponsor of the show. Oh, they're, gonna... <laughs> they're fantastic. Yeah. I, I mean, I joke all the time is is that Legal Zoom we fix the documents that they prepare. <laughs> So go ahead and go to LegalZoom, and I'll see you in uh, two months when you uh, you need all kinds of help, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so um, tell me, let's talk a little bit about the radio show, because um, in in the circles that I travel in, peop- a lot of people know you for that. They know you for the radio show. So you gave it a rest after a while, but how long did you do it for? Five years. Okay. And tell me like what the format was and how it went and all that. Yeah, so the idea behind it was uh, we called the show The Total Counselor. So just piggybacking off of Total Council Law Group. And for the first couple of shows, I would just talk. And then I said, okay, what's the theme going to be that I can continue to run with? And the theme is uh, or was the Minds Around the Table. So every first show, first segment would start with Minds Around the Table, basically describe it, and then describe who might be sitting around the table for folks when they're in that particular situation. And, And... Sometimes I would take it outside of just the legal and the financial circle if you were going to purchase a dog. Maybe your mind's around the table in that situation might be a breeder, a pet shop owner, uh, a vet, a a close family friend that knows you, your kids and everything, and how you might interact with a particular breed of dog. And that's your mind's around the table in that scenario. So it could really be used for everything. Mm -hmm. And um, so what kind of guests did you have on the show? All kinds of guests. I see you've got the uh, the book there, Open Your Eyes and Lead, from Nancy Capistran. Yes, our friend Nancy Capistran. You had her on the show? A couple of times. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was great. She was great. I had her problem solve, and I might even test you as well because, let's face it, you're a total counselor. I had her problem solve three um, people in the news, um, Jeff Bezos and um, the Academy Awards director, whoever that was, for making a choice not to have a host. These are all like kind of timely in recent weeks. And of course, uh, Bob Kraft. And so um, by the end of the hour, Nancy had solved the problems of all three. Yeah. So. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, and um, you used it as a marketing tool for to get the word about what you do. But geez, how do you feel? So that was, uh, how long was the show? Uh, one hour. And- uh, so basically, it was four 11 to 12 minute segments. Okay, and you did it for four years, five, five. years, five, five years. Okay, so I'm not good at math, but that's a lot of, a lot of hours. Shows. Yeah, did you ever feel like you're repeating yourself or anything like that? Sometimes, but you have children, right? Yes, I do. Okay. Two kids, yeah. Yeah. So, so how many times do you have to say the same thing <laughs> over and over again for them yeah. to get the message? Yeah, good point. And and so, unfortunately, is is that it? To hit back to your point about legal Zoom, yeah. one of the issues that I find all the time is as either in my accounting world or in my legal world, 
both of those professions are completely arrogant and try to speak completely above people. Yeah. And you have to go back to Zig Ziglar's concept is I don't speak a, more than the third month of the second grade level to people. <laughs> yeah. and, and really is is that that's what the show was about, was to try to just deliver the message. What is estate planning? I mean, most people think that estate planning is just a will, but there's so many other documents that in, encompass the estate plan to address the particular issues that could arise. Mm -hmm. So through the radio show, I would go over those documents. I would also then uh, piggyback on other shows where, okay, we've discussed the estate planning concepts. Now you have a child that's going through a divorce. The documents we've discussed before, how is that going to interplay? What changes should be made? What should they be considering to do? Then you get into asset protection and, and all the different areas. And, and a lot of times is when I first started doing the show, it was hours and hours of prep. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I would go in with about four or five inches thick of materials or more, and I would cover maybe a quarter of an inch. Mm -hmm. And then I started to get to the point where, you know what? I would just pay attention to what was going on in my world the day before and on the way to work in the morning, listen to what was going on in the news. Mm -hmm. And then I take that and just put that into the show. Yeah. So you talk about high profile examples of poor planning or good planning or yep. what? Yep. So, I mean, it was great. I mean, we had uh, Prince passed away, um, Aretha Franklin. Uh, yeah, that was great when they passed away. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was good material. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Yes. It, it's good, good examples. Good examples. Yes, Ab absolutely. And yeah. and so I'd pull that in, and, and I always say, uh, no political discussion, but I would discuss what the impact is to these high profile people. So what was the deal with Prince? He he didn't have a will or it no was... estate plan whatsoever. Oh my god, nothing. That's unbelievable, right? It, in today's day and age, but it, yeah. what's amazing is is that in the almost 20 years that I've been practicing, the number has not changed of the people that pass away without a will. When I first started practicing, it was 67%. I think the number's down to 65%. And that's even with the legal Zooms out there. Right. That's weird. Yeah. Um, and so the family of Prince, I, t I take it, had a big fight over who owns the royalties, all of his songs and all that. All of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, something got better because it used to be I couldn't find any Prince song on, on Spotify because he didn't agree to whatever that agreement is. I guess and then the family got, did. I guess the family did. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I don't understand how the music industry works, but um, I feel like if I pay my nine ninety five to Spotify every month, I, get, I should get everything in the world for free. If it's been sung or played, I should have it. Um, so, um, yeah, you had Prince, you had, um, and, uh, and others like that. What, I mean, what are the common mistakes that, besides not having a plan, I don't know if that's the most common mistake people make, but what, what common mistakes people make when it comes to planning? So not having a plan is, is the big thing, but then it, it's also, do you have all of the documents that you really need? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people think estate planning, well, I need wills, trusts, and all of that. To me, the biggest thing is the thing that will impact you probably the most is healthcare decisions, mm -hmm. okay? And so we've had a number of situations where a uh, client's husband was addicted to four or five different painkillers uh, after he'd had a knee operation. Wife checks him into a drug rehab, super expensive. He's there for about four and a half months. She wants to check him out. He's ready to check out, and the facility says, time out, you're not going anyplace. Mm -hmm. It was an involuntary admission. So she calls me in a panic, 10.30 at night, Thursday night. Still remember it to this day. It's about seven years ago now. And I said to her, first thing is, when you admitted him into the facility, 
did you sign a new healthcare proxy document, HIPAA authorization, any of that? She's like, no, I used the forms that you had generated for us. Right. I said, okay, great. There's a couple of paragraphs that I want you to focus on. First is, is that you have the right to make any and all medical decisions for him. The second is you have the ability to voluntarily admit him into a drug psychiatric or um, alcohol rehab facility if the need should arise. So you're gonna tell the host, uh, the, this facility that it was a voluntary admission, there's the paragraph that says it. You have the right to do everything that you need to do, there's the paragraph that says it, and you have the ability to enforce whatever it is that you need to do, and there's the paragraph that says that. Mm -hmm. Tell them you expect him to be released first thing tomorrow morning, or your attorney's gonna be in court in the afternoon. Mm. They looked at those particular paragraphs, I presume they passed it up to their legal, he was on his way home the next afternoon. Really? Just because they had the particular document in place. Mm -hmm. And that's where it becomes a matter when, when you have the documents. I've looked at ours and, and figured out, well, where can I cut things? And so often I said, you know what? I cut that paragraph for that particular client because it's not applicable right now at the moment. Right. That's going to be the one that they need. Hi, everybody. I'm Chami DePerel. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast? The Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you. Whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, or really any kind of professional, you should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head, literally. Pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show go to pod617.com to start planning and in the meantime listen to the great shows they've already produced the irreverent bitchless bride podcast the hilarious show known as shawshanked and the wild trip through the paranormal that is Monsterland. be part of the pod revolution visit pod617.com in pod we trust but people are getting older. Uh, and people are living longer, I should say. People are always getting older. <laughs> I'm getting older right now. Um, but people living longer and some company famously a few years ago put that billboard out that said, the, what was it, the first person to live to be 150 has already been born, um, which is creepy. I know it's not me. But, <laughs> but, but um, does that change things? Because people are getting older? But people are living longer. Um, so they likely need to plan for a lot longer than they used to, particularly if you're seeing a client who's in their 20s and 30s. You know, these are legitimately people who could live to be over 100. Well, that's where it comes to the whole minds around the table concept is that, so from an estate planning perspective, I'll tell them, we're going to revise these documents a number of times over the years. Mm -hmm. But then it comes to the most important concept that I think in this country, we do a terrible job across the board with kids today in not giving them a good level of financial acumen mm -hmm. to really make sure that they understand what finances are, what budgeting is, and, and how to handle money. Mm -hmm. Kids don't have that ability today. Kids are never thinking today of the return on investment. Right. Because if they were, they wouldn't be spending the money at the colleges that they're spending now. Mm -hmm. Right. How many people, um, when people come to you do you, do you start off by asking sort of what's most important to you? Do you is that a common early question? Yeah, first thing. So it goes back to the whole act of listening. Yeah. Okay. Why are we here today? What do you want to discuss? What brought you in? Because it, it's something that I've learned from a number of business coaches over the years and life coaches is that if somebody has a burning, 
I can't start the conversation. Mm-hmm. I got to hear what their burning is and, and see, get everything out there on the table. And sometimes folks will say they'll have a real good idea as to why they're there and I'll have a couple of uh, items. Sometimes it's just I need an estate plan. Right. And then it's just a matter of digging. Why do you need a state plan? What are you trying to accomplish? What are your goals, your objectives? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and when, and then you get to drill down, I take it. Because I've, because uh, most people are, you know, most people think about going to their lawyer, like going into the dentist for a root canal. It's like they, and that's why they put it off and there's no urgency. Who knows why they eventually get motivated? Maybe they just finally get their act together. I always think sometimes there's some triggering event, like they hear, you know, uh, so-and-so down the street just dropped dead at, at age 42 jogging. And it's like, shit, I don't even have a plan. Like, I should do something. <laughs> so, um, but I remember when I was a financial advisor, I was amazed at how the it, it ran the gamut from people who, like, would say, I want to make sure each one of my kids has a million dollars before when I die, right? I want to grow my wealth, so and that's my goal. To some people who would say, uh, I would say, like, what about your legacy? And they go, what do you mean? I go, well, what do you want to leave behind for your kids? And the person would say nothing. <laughs> and, and, and it always took me back because I presume everybody – and this isn't to say that they don't love their kids. It's just a different way of looking at it. Like, you know, they um, – I made my way. You know, they can make theirs. It's actually – and it's actually not – so tell me, did it experience similar things or – Absolutely. Um, people have different ideas on planning. Sometimes people will come in and they have a business, for example, and they'll turn around and say That's that. A big one, yeah. Yeah, and, and they might have three children. And, well, I'm going to leave my business to this child. Okay, well, what about the other two? The bulk of your estate is that business. So you're just going to give it to that one? Mm-hmm. Well, no, let's divvy it up equally amongst them. Okay, but that child is the only one active in the business. So they're basically going to continue working and busting their butt for the other two. Mm-hmm. Does, does that seem fair? Is that what you're you're trying to accomplish? Right. Um, and we have had the, the clients that have said, as they're wheeling me in and, and I'm on that gurney, I want to be ripping up my last $100 bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just get me right to the finish line. Well, and why do you think that is? So I have a theory that the folks that are in their 80s and upwards, they don't necessarily want to do their estate plan because they think the day they do their plan, they're going to die the next day. The people that are in their teens, 20s, 30s, they think they're invincible. They're going to be around forever. As soon as you have your first child, you buy your home, and and you start to realize, crap, uh, I'm working my ass off, and I don't know whether I'm going to have enough. That's when they start to get serious, and and they look at the estate planning, the financial planning to to get their affairs in order. Mm -hmm. And again, it comes back to the the minds around the table. You need to have the financial person sitting at the table to to look at it from today's perspective. Well, if I do live to 90, Mm -hmm. how much am I going to need each and every year, keeping in mind that your health care costs are going to continue to go up? Mm-hmm. And and the one interesting thing now, the, the dynamic we're hitting on, um, which is kind of racy um, in estate planning, is uh, you have this 23andMe. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are doing the DNA, DNA. testing. Yep. So here's the thing is, is that um, life insurance, long-term care, your doctor's visits, they're basing on your medical history. So you're telling them about your, your biological mom and dad. Right. Okay. Well, what happens when you do the 23andMe? And you find out that your dad is not your dad. 
Yeah, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably why a lot of people don't want to do it, right? And, and there's been a lot like that. I, I know an attorney that she come she's come out on, on Facebook and everything about her situation where her brother had his done. He encouraged her to have her done, hers done. And then when she had hers done, they found out that they had the same mom, but they didn't have the same oh dad. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah, I heard story of where it had been something like it in like elementary school or something that they did. Um, oh, what was it? It was it was it was the upshot. Was they did some? It obviously wasn't DNA testing, but they did maybe the saliva swab or something, and just and they had some, you know, probably group dealers send it in, and the, the teacher discovered that the kids' parents weren't who they thought they were and, and maybe it was just obvious from the the race of the you know the ethnicity of the parents or something and then it's like well then what do you do and i don't remember <laughs> how the story turns out so this is a terrible that's teaser. a good cliffhanger but um but it i imagine they don't do that anymore in school <laughs> but what is like the 23 and me it's supposed to tell you um like where your uh ancestors come from or yeah so it's dna testing so it can tell you where your ancestors come from and then you can drill down to that to to there's a couple of sites that work with it so that you can then right. determine your ancestry. Okay. But and so in actual people. Yes. Okay. So did you have you done it? I have not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know that I want to. <laughs> one of the reasons I don't want to do it is because I had a um whimsical and wonderful grandmother um who was uh, of Irish descent and she had claimed to trace us back to Miles Standish coming over on the Mayflower. And um, we all, me and all my cousins and everything, we all like that idea, but we're not really sure it's true. It's, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. It just seems a little far-fetched. But she had this family tree that weaved it back, but I feel like she kind of jumped a couple of rungs and just said, and there you go, Miles Standish, done. Um, yeah, what what does what does technology, does, does that enter your world a lot, like advancing technology and, and, and things like that? Like are, are things going to change in estate planning because of the, the, the things we learn from DNA and things like that? And uh, Some of it will. Yeah. Um, it, it's a, the ability also to access stuff. Um, so you have, I mean, a lot of people go through sperm donation, egg donation, and stuff like that. Then you get into if those eggs and sperm are preserved, what happens if a child is created later from those? Do I now have to provide child support? Mm -hmm. I have uh, any adopted or afterborn children is the reference in my estate planning documents. Mm -hmm. Are these kids now my children? Right. So you, you've got all those kinds of uh, advances. And, and you have to address those also in the estate planning documents and make sure, well, how do you address uh, if, if there's sperm that's been frozen, for example? Do I have yeah. a provision in my estate plan documents that say upon my death, Wherever those are kept, they need to be destroyed. Right. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 let's face it, uh, we we can clone humans now. We're not doing it, but um, you know, are we going to have to account for things like that? Like you know, don't ever clone me, or please clone me. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you could you could put that in a plan, right? I mean, please uh, save my uh, DNA in whatever fashion, freeze me or whatever, and then. Um, uh, as soon as cloning becomes legal in the United States, please clone me. How about that? I'm liking that, actually. <laughs> well, that was the whole Ted Williams case. Well, right. Where they were fighting over whether or not he should be frozen. Yeah. Well, Two um, of you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe the person, I mean, I wouldn't be, really be interested in this per se, 
But, you know, in some, if you have an open mind about these things, in some metaphysical way, maybe the person thinks that they will suddenly, you know, feel consciousness as soon as their clone is uh, alive, which I don't know if that makes sense or not, but but it, it boggles the mind. I, I worry about this because would you say in a vacuum that, that um, technology is advancing – um, steadily or exponentially, and I'm not even sure I'm using those words correctly, but but you probably know what I mean. I mean, if we're talking about the things, uh, the advent of the iPhone. I'm holding mine up now. Good podcasting, Dave. Um, the uh, so that was a game changer, right? Everyone's got an iPhone now, and there before that, what was it? The computer, probably, right? It was the big one, and then it, uh, you know, years ago, it was the TV, it was the phone. Um, those advances are going to keep coming. Who knows what the next big thing is going to be? But if they're coming faster than they used to come, it, it's mind-boggling to think of what the world is going to look like 100 years from now. And in terms of things that are going to affect you know, your world, like, like um, you know, preserving health and things like that. What do you think? I, I think the, tech, the technology is exponentially. And, and, I mean, I see it with I have a 12-year-old and a 6-year-old. And so the 12-year-old, we got him a phone um, in September. Mm -hmm. And so now it's a matter of, well, how do you teach a child that when I'm walking next to you and, 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 and we're walking down <laughs> the street, yeah. put the damn phone away. Yeah. L let's have a conversation. And, and I think technology is great. It's advancing in proper areas. But we need to figure out a way to harness it a little bit better because yeah. the level of communication – is is deteriorating i agree and we sit here and we're we're both guilty to some degree um i don't mean to bust you but you you walked in here you were checking your phone now you were probably just being polite you were giving it a quick check before you shut it off and, and we had our conversation however you know i'm i'm as glued to mine as anybody else and um it's it's chilling to think that it's having um the kind of uh negative effect that that you describe and, and could it get even worse? Um, you know, one of my podcast heroes, Adam Carolla, said he, he gets irked when his daughter pushes a couple buttons on her phone and then someone shows up at the door with chicken nuggets and fries because she's got the Grubhub app. And he said, eventually, there's going to be just a, you know, Skittles Me app where you push a button and someone shows up and walks into your living room and dumps a, a fistful of Skittles into your mouth and then walks <laughs> off. And then just hit the button again if you wanted. And, and what are we doing here, right? Um, so, and um, this will be like a, an overreaction moment, but, you know, people wonder what, um, to use a very dark example, the, the shootings in schools and mass shootings uh, across the world, like, why are they increasing? There aren't more guns than there used to be, you know? And um, some people say it's because the, 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 we've created people that are isolated and people and and they're they're sort of um you know um crumbling emotionally because they they don't have as much human intera inter uh, interaction as they used to and part of it also is limits so yeah. i had uh, attended a presentation um natick uh, where i live has this spark kindness program and they bring in speakers and this woman had come in talking about the digital world and how do you deal with it with kids. And she was hitting on that you have to establish limitations. So these days, I mean, I remember my brothers as, as kids, uh, my, my middle brother's 10 years younger than me, and he would be playing video games for You're hours. You're the oldest. Upon, I'm the oldest. Me too. 
10 years and then 14 to my youngest. Wow. Yeah. Same parents and everything. <laughs> well, what was well? No, hold on. Let's they stick, had perfection. Let's stick, with, let's stick with this. That's right. But let's stick with this parentheses here. You are how much older than your middle brother? Uh, nine and a half years. Nine and a half years, and then that you have another brother, or that's fourteen years younger than me. Fourteen years younger than you. Yep. Okay, that's that. I for I for a minute I thought you said fourteen years younger than the middle brother. No, no. That would be kind kind of insane. <laughs> but that's that's weird. The three of you must be so different. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you're a lot of similarities, but you were all. In a way, your formative years were much different periods of time. You yeah, must... they, they blame me that I went off to college and I deserted them. Well, did you... <laughs> Their first abandonment. Well, I mean, did you teach them about, you know, the Beatles? Bad example. We didn't grow up with the Beatles, but um, anyway. Um, so I'm sorry, you were saying. Yeah, so it, it, it's about limitations and, and what sort of limitations you're putting on uh, children. So, for example, I mean, my son is into Fortnite. Yeah. And he could sit playing Fortnite for six, seven, eight My hours. My son too. Yeah, solidly. And and he, we have debates. He's going to be an attorney when he grows up. And we have debates over. Wait, this is what you've decided? Or no, no, no. This is. I mean, he, <laughs> he's, he, he's a debater. Oh, okay. Uh, that that that's his his. He has that gene, sort of. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and yeah. and so we're. I said to him, "Is you need to shut the electronics off. It's going to rot your brain." Nope. There's no studies that say it will rot the brain. <laughs> Here's the research that I've done on it. And so um, I, I took. By the my- way, that's another creepy thing because now you can find a study that goes either way on anything. Because and 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 it's 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 uh, difficult to uh, figure out which one is fake and which one isn't half the time. Just and- go on Doctor Google and and you can get whichever <laughs> side you want. Right, Google me right, <laughs> Google me right. Yeah, as long as as long as you Google manipulatively, you can prove yourself right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and so it's about setting the limitations. So what this speaker was saying is is that. You wouldn't allow your child to go for 10 hours in any athletic and right. practicing and everything else. Burn them out, yeah. So why would you allow them to spend that amount of time doing the electronic games and everything? Right. And it's interesting because I could see in particular with him that if if he's gone hard, solid for two hours with Fortnite or whatever game that he's playing, he comes out and it, and it really is as if he had had some physical exertion activity <laughs> Where he's just like, he's just ready to get into a fight. Oh, well, he's been killing Nazis for two hours in his head. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, it's weird. My son does the Fortnite thing too. Um, he's 16 years old. I think every uh, child from age probably six to 18 and a half is, is required to do four hours of Fortnite per day, apparently. Well, and here's a crazy <laughs> thing about, uh, about that game is when, when you and I grew up and we had antiquated video games. Atari. Yeah, exactly. 6400. I remember it well. Okay, so if you had six of your friends over yes. and you're playing that, yes. okay, and it wasn't your turn, were you just sitting there watching? Oh, great point. Um, no. But, I Call mean, me some, when it's my turn. That's right. And um, Well, not only that, but if you're all in the same room together, um, it's still a shared experience at least, you know? The, and the only you know upside to the Fortnite thing is at least they're connecting with friends online. I don't know if your son does that. My son, oh, yeah. they all you know when they leave school, it's all like, what time we're going to get on? What time to get on? At least they're interacting, right? But these kids are also not just playing the game. They'll go on YouTube and they're watching other people play the game. Oh God, yes, yes, for my hours. Son, oh, my son does this. <laughs> do you, so do you understand it? Because I don't. It, I know that they're hang gliding into places, they're shooting up people, and they're stealing yeah. stuff. Well, the, 
<laughs> no, I mean that the whole concept of what, what, if I'm not mistaken, what you said was your, your son is watching other people playing video games. Yeah, yeah right. So um, I, I saw him doing this once. This was years ago. He's been doing it for years. You know, um, you're watching a, a YouTube video of someone else playing like Fortnite or some other game. Yeah, Dad. I go, well, that seems a little weird to me. Why don't you just play the game? He goes, I like this. And I go, Oh, well, are you sort of looking for clues as to how to get better at the games? Because that I understand. I used to, used to read Electronic Games magazine <laughs> yep. for the for like the little <laughs> how you how, uh, figure out how to win at the pitfall game on Atari. And um, he goes, no, that's not why I'm watching. <laughs> I just like it. And so to him, it's like watching uh, the Red Sox on TV. It's like it, he's watching his favorite people who are best doing what they do. But, it, but for crying out loud, it's a video game. <laughs> oh, man, I don't get that. And um, – but the, universities have started now programs in gaming. There are scholarships. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> I don't get it. You know what? All these kids need to see the movie War Games. <laughs> kids, see War Games, and you will learn that eventually those games will destroy us and try to bomb us. <laughs> try to send bombs. Um, but it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's bizarro. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how proud a parent could be yeah my son's going to northwestern he's on scholarship oh my god that's great you know athletic scholarship academic scholarship eh, kind of in between it's video games good lord um anyway well this has been fun we're up against the clock now alan and um as i figured would happen we went off on a lot of fun tangents so people can find you i got your url here which i dutifully wrote up on our board TotalCounselor.com, that's counselor, C-O-U-N-S-E-L-O-R, only one L in counselor, TotalCounselor.com, find Alan, Total Counsel Law Group, and um, as we've talked about, you know, you've got some, uh, you're at a crossroads in your life, planning, et cetera, or maybe you just need a plumber. (laughs) What else should people know about you? We just love to help. Okay. Anytime people are looking for uh, tax, estate planning, corporate advice, we're a good ear. And your office is located in? In Natick, right on Route 30. Cool. Swanky Natick. Right near the Natick Mall. Oh, uh, not quite a swanky Natick. <laughs> What's the swanky part of Natick? South Natick? No, South, South Natick. South Natick. Although the line's moving from Wellesley to Natick, and eventually it'll be further west. It keeps moving. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I had an attorney, Kim Winter, in here yesterday. She just moved her offices to South Natick, overlooking the river, whatever river that is. I don't know. I guess i got to get out there. Alan Margulies, everybody, um, thank you so much. Thank you, Dave. And um, I feel like we have more to talk about, so perhaps you'll come back and join us in the future. Um, Thanks for uh, listening to The Boston Podcast. By the way, if you like this podcast, share it. If you like Alan Margulies and all his great advice, share this particular episode. Find all of our past episodes at pod617.com. We're the Boston Podcast Network. We have studios located in Westwood. We would love to make you a star and produce your podcast. Get in touch. We'll tell you about it. Enjoy your day, Boston.